0: When Kevin and I got married, we bought our first kitchen table. It was just the two of us, and we would share meals and life lessons together. Eventually, we had three kids, and each one of them pulled up a chair to the table. And we shared those life lessons with them, the things that would make or break them.
1: But that wasn't the end.
0: No, it wasn't. We had number four, Jaden, and he pulled up a chair to the table. And we, once again, shared our life lessons with him.
1: And that's really what this series is about. It's, it's finding the core values that make you or break you in life. And we're excited today to bring you the ABC Zones. Isn't that one of the best? Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> one of the best. I mean, it's, it's really how you navigate the struggles in life and everybody hits that point where you just wanna quit. In fact, I remember Michael and Sherry Wright hitting that place in their own lives, particularly in their marriage and how God brought them through B-zone muscle. That's all going to make sense. You're going to hear it in this lesson. So grab your Bibles. Get your teaching notes. This is all the way back from 2012. Welcome to 12 Stone. As we continue our series on questions. So I have a question for you. Why do we quit? Go with me on this. If you could go back in time and tell someone, don't quit, who would it be? And why? Now, I'll admit there are times in life when you wish you could go back and say, please do quit, huh? I was riding my dirt bike with my son, Josh, a few years ago. Thus, I'm in my 40s, and I told him as we went out on the trails, Dude, uh, Dad, I'm just getting old, and I I can't quite take the risks and do the things I did, so you go be crazy, but we're still going to have fun. But as the day progressed, I got more comfortable again, and then I got more confident, and then I got cocky. And uh, so now I'm keeping up with him. The adrenaline rush is going, and he is hauling through the trails around the trees and and, and the whole ruts, and I'm just right behind him pushing him all the way. And we come up to what's kind of a straightaway and has a big rise, and I gave a little to him so he could get ahead of me so I could, you know, kind of push it a little bit more. And so I'm wide open, fifth gear, and I come up over the rise, and he's dead stop in front of me at a fork in the road. It's a bad moment. I got to shut her down. And so uh, supposedly this is okay because I have like 30 years of experience. And I brought all my experience to bear on that moment and successfully crashed and burned. It was apparently quite awesome. (laughs) Instead of sliding the bike and shutting it down in a meaningfully effective way, I apparently, best I can tell, twisted the front wheel quite wrongly and created a catapult that, well, let me just tell you, here's me, boom, there's the ground. I mean, it was, I hit the ground with my hands and face and body with such force that I convinced my body it was now separated from the upper half to the lower half. I mean, it's very bad news for me. In fact, I limped my way back to the car with the bike. Both of us damaged deeply. And when we got in the car and we're driving home, I mean, it's difficult for me to even hold the wheel at all. My son gets on the phone and calls his friend in college. He says, oh, yeah. Man, oh, yeah, we've had an awesome time riding bikes. I'm listening to this. I'm like, really awesome time? Yeah. He said, I almost killed my dad today. I turned around in time to see him flip and fly. It was amazing. (laughs) Thank you, son. Thank you. And you know what I wish? I wish I could go back in time and say to myself on that day, please do stop. You are old. It's not working. You don't have it anymore. Just let her go, okay? Just let him ride. Have a good day out of this. But that's not the question I asked you, is it? The question is, if you could go back in time and ask or, or give anyone, tell anyone that delivery statement, don't quit, who would it be? Think about There are people you care about. You go back in life, you know that there were turning points. And don't quit could change everything. I know my mom wished she could have gone back in time to tell her lifelong friend, don't quit on life. Because her friend's suicide just tore everybody's heart out. I bet you're thinking that there's some people you'd like to go back in time and say, don't quit on that marriage. Maybe another friend, don't quit on that education. No, 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 don't do that. No, that that was the right thing for you. Don't quit on that job. Don't quit on that company. Maybe you want to go back and say, don't quit on the Lord. Don't quit following him. You have no idea what that does in your life down the road. I'm telling you, don't quit. Maybe you'd like to go back and tell yourself, hey, don't quit. Because I've lived out that decision. I watched you quit. I know what that does to the rest of your life. I'm begging you, (laughs) don't quit. In fact, if I go back in time, I know who i talk to. I'd like to go back and talk to Saul, first king of Israel. I'd go back thousands of years when Saul was 29 years old. And I'd like to tell Saul maybe maybe, maybe three things. First one is, Saul, you're 29 years old, but in one year, God picks you to be the first king of Israel. And Saul would say, no way. And I'd say, yes way. It's awesome. <laughs> and I'd say, Saul, let me give you a second thing. God's going to change your heart, Saul. And you're going to prophesy for God's glory. And Saul's going to be like, no way. I say, yes, way. And I'm saying, Paul, Saul, here's the the third thing. Saul, you're going to quit on God. And you're going to live the rest of your life in discontent. You're going to die a sad death along with your firstborn son, Jonathan, who never becomes king because you quit. He's going to say, no way. I say, yes, way. So Saul, don't quit, because quitting costs, really does. And see, at any given moment in time, all of us are at risk of quitting, even the most important things in life. And sometimes you just need someone to come alongside and to say that something that that reminds you what's on the line kind of like that amazing movie in 2004 you might recall. Dodgeball? <laughs> that life-changing movie of the underdog story? Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn? If you don't remember, here's a clip for your entertainment. But it teaches. Check it out.
2: And here come the Globo Jim verbal cobras led by White Goodman, all business. We haven't seen average Joe's, and they still haven't made it to the court. It could be a psychological ploy, or perhaps something worse.
1: They're definitely not on the court, Cotton. Their absence Thank is you. noticeable. And we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor.
3: Pick it a bottle of water. Hey, aren't you Peter LeFleur? Lance Armstrong. Yeah, that's me. But I'm a big fan of yours. Really? Yeah, I've been watching the dodgeball tournament on the Ocho, BSPN 8. I just can't get enough of it. But good luck in the tournament. I'm really pulling for you against those jerks from Globo Gym. I think you better hurry up, or you're going to be late. Uh, Actually, I decided to quit, Lance. Quit? You know, once I was thinking about quitting when I was diagnosed with brain, lung, and testicular cancer all at the same time. But with the love and support of my friends and family, I got back on the bike. And I won the Tour de France five times in a row. But I'm sure you have a good reason to quit. So what are you dying from that's keeping you from the finals? Right now feels a little bit like shame. Well, I guess if a person never quit when the going got tough, they wouldn't have anything to regret for the rest of their life. But good luck to you, Peter. I'm sure this decision won't haunt you forever.
1: that's just well delivered. In fact, I'll give it to you again. I guess if a person never quit when the going got tough, they wouldn't have anything to regret for the rest of their life. I'm sure this decision won't haunt you forever. Oh, that's just well delivered. See, at times, we're all at risk of quitting. And quitting on, on the even most important things. So the question, why do we quit? And the answer... Really, it's so simply profound, I could draw it out on a napkin. So I will. Back in the early 80s, Ray Ortland delivered a concept that captured me. Over the years, kind of adapted to become, really, for me, a life-changing truth. So, let's just grab the napkin, let's talk about it. You can draw it out in your own teaching notes. I encourage you to do that. Back in your bulletin, follow along. Here's the reality. That every, what's the word again? Every, say it with me, that what? Every, one more time, say every with me, that what? Every, listen, every endeavor, every project, every relationship, marriage, family, friends, church, every sports team, every company, every church, every small group, every journey, every project in life goes through three Phases. It cycles repeatedly through three zones. And here they are. They are the A zone, jot it down, the B zone, put that down, and the C zone. In fact, say those three with me. What are the three zones? The first one is the A zone, then the B zone, then the C zone. Now, the A zone, where everything starts, is full of promise. Just write that in your notes. It's full of what? promise. Oh, the A-Zone is full of promise. Awesome A-Zone. See, this is the beginning. This is the new car when everything is just perfect. Huh? This is the first day on the job. This, this is literally the honeymoon. huh? This is the grand opening. This is when it's all good. This is when it's all new. The new horror house, uh, the new Harley Davidson, yes. The new clothes, the new stuff, the new furniture, when it's all new. First day at school, first day at college. New relationships. See, men and women, we love that A-zone stuff because everything's new. And get, and get this, and, and that means it's free from baggage. It doesn't have breakdowns. It doesn't have history. It doesn't have problems. It doesn't have speed bumps. It's all fun. It's high energy. It's full of hope. It's full of possibilities. This is pre-game. This is when we get to talk smack. This is, this is before everything goes on the line. See, this is the dream phase, the dream stage. It's when everything's possible. It's full of promise. And we love the A-Zone. I love the A-Zone. In fact, tell your neighbor. Everybody across the campus. Tell your neighbor right now, I love the A-Zone. Tell your, tell your neighbor. Go ahead, tell them. I love Because it. it's true. Oh, I love the A-Zone. And, and, and We love A-Zones. Unfortunately, life doesn't just stay in the A-Zone. Life will go to the B-Zone. And the B-Zone is full of problems. The B-Zone is full of what? Hello. We all know this. The A-Zone promise in every project, endeavor, relationship, and the like gives way to B-Zone problems. Home Depot has sold us on the media ploy. You can do it, and we can help. They sell you on the A-Zone and suck you into the B-Zone. Because that visit to Home Depot, they know is not your last visit. You have 47 more visits to do. You're going to tear something apart. It won't go back together. Nothing fits. I don't care what you bought. You didn't buy enough of the right stuff. I don't care what it is. And you don't have the right tools, so you're going back. And you are descending. I'm telling you, you are descending into the B zone. After a while, it's costing you more than you ever imagined, which is why Home Depot is still there. I don't know who's helping who pretty soon you don't care. Right? You know what? I don't give a rip anymore. I'm sick and tired of this project. I like it half done. I like my home project half done. That looks good to me, baby. That's what we're going to live with right there. You know what I'm saying? We're descending. We're de- I, let's, let's, it is not a dream anymore. It's a nightmare. And what you want to do more than anything else is what? Quit. You want to cue zone write it down. More than anything else, you want to quit. You know you should quit. You have all the right reasons. You forgot why you even started the project. Listen, stay in anything in life long enough, and it will be zone on you. And that's not only true of the Home Depot project, men and women, that's true of relationships. Hmm? See, it's, it's true of stuff. It's true of your car. See, the new car eventually becomes the used car with the same payments. (laughs) Marriage. Why do you think they call it after the honeymoon? What did you really think that meant? The seven-year itch, the long slide. Listen, when we attend your wedding, young people and we're smiling, it's not joy for your A zone, it's the knowledge that you're joining us soon in the B zone. (laughs) Welcome, it's great to have you with us. That's why people say eventually the knight in shining armor becomes rusted metal and the princess the ball and chain. I don't write this stuff, I just say it. It's what we say in this world. Why, because you're in the B zone, you're descending, and what you wanna do more than anything else is what? Q zone, you want to quit. In fact, watch this. We are at great risk as a people. In fact, I think our nation is in this cycle, and we are in huge trouble. We have A zone ideas that are full of promise. It transitions into the truth of the B zone, which is full of problems. We descend, and all we really want to do is Q zone, and so we do. We quit, and we chase another A zone. And we leave behind all sorts of half-done projects, half-completed marriages, Half-built families, half-paid-off debt. In fact, for some of us, this is kind of our relationship in the church and the pursuit of God. And we don't have the endurance to get through the B zone to ultimately hit the the C zone where you get to celebrate and enjoy. And we got a pattern going on because we're weak and we cave. And it takes B zone muscle to get through. We got half done obedience. Promises we've made to God. That's why I wanted to go back and talk to Saul. Take your Bibles, turn with me. 1 Samuel chapter 13, page 279. Saul quit. He quit. And it carries a story with a lesson for all of us. Page 279, 1 Samuel, chapter 13. I'll catch you up. Saul was made king over the nation of Israel. By the way, war was on. And only God can help you win a war, and he knows that. So does Samuel. Samuel told him that I'm going to come and offer the sacrifice in seven days or so. Wait for me. Because only the high priest can offer the sacrifice, nobody else can. That's the only way it's pleasing to God. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Only God can give us victory. So that's where Saul is as king. He's waiting for Samuel to come. And do you know what happens? The pressure, the B-zone pressure begins to build. And what does Saul do? Listen, listen. Saul does what only the high priest can do. He goes ahead and offers the sacrifice. Listen, men and women. In doing so, he desecrates the altar. He violates the very God that he attempts to pretendingly be worshiping. And a conversation ensues because an hour later, Samuel shows up. Verse 11. What have you done? A question. What have you done? Asked Samuel. And Saul replied, Now you got to get it again. Saul's under pressure. He's under huge B zone pressure. And when we're under pressure and things aren't going well, all of a sudden Q zone things start to make sense. Look what Saul says. When I saw that the men were scattering, pause. When he saw that his own army was starting to to scatter, so he's, he's losing control. It was kind of his men's fault, and that you did not come at the set time—kind of your fault too, Samuel. You didn't show up on exactly the same time. Oh, and he keeps going, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You, you got to get. So I felt compelled to disobey God. I felt permission to dismiss God. I was under B-zone pressure, and I Q-zone. I quit on obedience. I what on obedience? Quit. How about you? you ever quit on obedience? You ever get under B-zone pressure and something starts to make sense? And here is what Samuel says. Keep reading. You have done a foolish thing. A what thing? Foolish. foolish. Really, at the core, you've sinned. And by, by the way, let me just pause right here. Many times people say, "Are you kidding me? That's all he did. He desecrated the altar of God. He violated God. He dismissed God. He set God aside. He acted like God himself. Yeah. Well that, that seems like a pretty small thing that he did. I, I, I want to read this for you. It's by trap, a thousand insightful statement. To disobey God in the smallest matter is sin enough. There can be no little sin. Because there is no little God to sin against. I mean, how many of us have said, oh, that's just a little sin? You don't, have you ever done that? Oh, that's a little sin. Oh, that's a little sin. Oh, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. That's not, God doesn't care. Really? Oh, what Saul did, that was no big deal. Samuel says what you have done is a foolish thing. I want you to keep listening. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God. Oh, my goodness. Get this. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. In other words, you quit, you Q zone. If you had, listen, listen to the C zone God had in mind. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not be, will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command period. I want you to get a hold of this. God can have a wonderful will for your life. He can have you set up for his glory, but you get to choose some things, and you can quit. You can what? You can quit on some of the most important things in life. Oh, that should just cause us to shudder. Sixteen years old, I know I was called to be a pastor. I won't get into the story, but it was undeniable in my life, and I knew it with all my heart, and I said yes to God. But by my freshman year to my sophomore year of college, when I was in university work training to be a pastor, things were so dismal, so discouraging. I had truly become so weary. I just lost heart. There's no way that this thing is going to work. Family problems, financial issues. I can't do this. Forget it. I'm done, and I quit. No wonder. I mean, it shook up my mom and and people who knew me. I'm like, you can't talk to me. Just leave me alone. This doesn't work. I can't make it work. My mom talked to a pastor friend who I hardly knew, but really God sent him. He took me out to lunch. And you know what he said to me, don't you? Kevin, what? Don't quit. Kevin, what? Don't quit. Don't quit. See, when you know God has asked something of you, don't quit. If you said yes to him at 16, that you would follow him all the way and you'd give your life to serve him as a pastor, then preparing as part of that obedience, don't quit. And I look back and I think, oh my goodness, what if God had not sent that person alongside me to say, don't quit? Where would I be in life? What would my life be? Fourth year into 12 stone. I knew God had called us, even from a teenager, to plant a church someday. I knew this is exactly where God asked us to go. He made it so undeniable that I could not dismiss it. We sell everything. We come down here. We plant the church. And four years in, God seems to have let everything go ugly. By the fourth year, I said, I quit. I mean, I so much, I'm done. I quit. We can't. This has been a long, I've, I'm weary. We've lost heart. And I went back up to Michigan and sat down with a friend and the pastor there trying to get a job. Literally, I told him, I quit. I'm done. I'm closing 12 stone. It's not going to exist anymore. God asked us to go plant a church, and he decided not to go with us. (laughs) Did you ever have that experience where you know God asked you to do something, and then it was obvious he chose not to go with you? He's like, I need you to go do this. He's like, okay, you and me, God. And then you're looking around, you're like, hey, 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 hey. I don't want to be unkind, but did you ever have people give you cliches at that moment? You know, they quote cliches, and you just want to cram it down their throat. You know what I'm saying? I know that doesn't sound right, but and don't you ever want to do that? You're just like, you are at a level of, I quit. You don't understand. You don't know what my marriage is going through. You don't understand my budget. You don't understand the pressure on my life. You don't know what's happened in my history. You don't understand the baggage. You don't know what pressure God's allowed. I don't know why God's allowed this. You don't know who's disappointed me. You don't, you, you don't understand my world. You, you, don't, you don't know my struggles. Take your little cliches. Well, I'll stop there. <laughs> in fact, some of you are in that place today. Maybe the reason God has us talking is so that the Spirit of God can come alongside and say, don't quit. Don't quit. A pastor friend said to me in Michigan, Kevin, don't quit. God has more for you guys. He's going to change people's lives down there, but you have to stay in. And I said, you don't understand. And then he made a statement that marked me. He said, if you've lost faith, borrow mine. Mm. I don't know why we came back and tried further, but I think, oh my goodness, if we had not. Where would my life be the last 20 years at this place? Where would my life, where would your life, we wouldn't get to do this together. And God has allowed us to be a part of seeing thousands of people come to Christ, and we wouldn't be able to do this. I know God can replace us. God can pick and do anything that he wants, but we would have chosen to say no. And we get to impact hundreds of thousands of people in partnerships, millions across the world, and we have so much more we get to do, an emerging generation coming up. Where would we be if we had quit? Oh, my, what a turning point. Maybe that's why God set this moment up for you. Listen, you are on the edge of things in your life that seem so discouraging. You're so weary in your marriage, your family, your finance, your career, your faith. He you said, don't quit. But you can. And see, life requires B-zone muscle. you discover that most things worthwhile are going to take more time, more training, and more tenacity. Stay with it. And we get so wrapped in all of that weight and we think it's going to be B-Zone forever that we just want to quit. And we forget there's a C-Zone. A what? We, see, we even forget. When we get distant from, we forget, oh my goodness, you know over here is a C-Zone. If you break through the B-Zone, you get the C-Zone. And if the A-Zone is full of promise and the B-Zone is full of problems, then the C-Zone is full of payoffs. Say it with me. What's it full of? Payoffs. Say it again. Payoffs. Man, see for celebration. Yes, this is the breakthrough. This is the win. This is the championship, the trophy. This is the promotion. This is the breakthrough to the thing you wanted in career and job and dream. The dream begins to happen at new levels. The marriage gets to celebrate the 5-year, the 10-year, the 15-year, the 20-year, the 30-year, the 40-year anniversary. Thank God we get to celebrate the payoffs. We fought through. It's the graduation. My daughter is going to graduate. My second child, my only daughter, graduates the end of this month from college. Years of B-Zone. She's going to celebrate because she's through. I'm going to celebrate because she's through. And I won't be making those payments anymore. Thank God. Two more to go. It's going to take me forever. But hey, still, C-Zone stuff. And God says, I have more for you. I had more for you, Saul. Saul, I had more for you. What I would have done for you would have blown your mind. Don't quit don't quit put into practice hebrews 13 or rather 12 verses 1 to 3 hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 go ahead turn there it's on page 1213 huh 1213 see you got to get a practice set in your soul god knew we would need this so he had it written part of his word here we go hebrews chapter 12 Verses 1 to 3. Therefore, having just taught the theology and talked about people who broke through B-zones, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, a whole bunch of people who broke through B-zones, you see it. They've had to go through the same thing you have. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. With what? What? You can't say that word passively. You have to say the word perseverance with, with passion and run with what? Perseverance, run with perseverance. This is an endurance. This is B zone endurance. Run with B zone endurance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Why would he write this? Why would Paul give this to us? Why would God inspire it by his spirit? Because, men and women, at times you and I are at risk of quitting. The most important things in the world and you've got to get a mantra not another cliche you've got to get a mantra at the soul of your life here's mine never quit except to quit on the right things you can write that down in your notes they'll put it on the screen i want you to get a hold of that you might write a better one but here's mine for now never quit except to quit On the right things. Say it with me, everybody here across the campus, let's go. Say it with me. Never quit except to quit on the right things. Again, never quit except to quit on the right things. See, there are some things you have to quit. You have to know when and what to quit. He says it right off the top. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There are things you're gonna have to quit in order to rise up and hit the C zone. I told you three months ago to date, Literally, three months ago to date, that Marsha's jungle gym, my physical body, was getting loose in the cage. It needed toning up. needed some work. I made a commitment for the next 90 days. And I want you to know, every one of those days of the last 92, I have wanted to quit. I just want you to know. That's always been my thought. But you know what I had to do all that time? I had to quit on the right things. I had to quit eating certain foods. I had to quit eating so much of it. I had to quit when I eat. And in order to quit on fat and in order to get some shape here, to get right. So I've dropped about 20 pounds. I've moved my my whatever they call that body fat from 30s down to the teens. And phase one is done. Tomorrow I meet with the trainer for the last time to say goodbye to him and never talk to him again. Thank you, Jesus. Phase one will be done. Can I tell you something? There are things you have to quit. Find the right things. And other than that, never quit. See, you have a cloud of witnesses who have walked with God before you. And Jesus is the shining example. For the joy set before him. For the what? For the joy. The A zone set before him. What's the A zone? The A zone, the dream. The dream that Jesus would restore us to God the Father. Sin has separated us. Jesus is going to restore us. Thanks be to God, he's willing to do this. He imagines us being restored to God here on earth and hereafter forever in heaven. Heaven is the ultimate C-zone. When God says, I have something more for you, I have heaven for you, I have a C-zone. That's the one you're chasing. Follow me. And listen, forgiveness was bought by Jesus' endurance. Following is brought about by our endurance. Look at it. For the cross... He endured. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He what the cross? Endured. He endured. He hit the B zone. You're going to have a B zone to follow the will of God. Don't quit on obedience. Jesus was in the garden and he begged God, You give me strength. That's why, so to speak, we go to prayer when we're in the middle of B zones and we want a Q zone. And we come to God and we say, oh, God, I need to wait on you. I need your strength. That's why it says in the Old Testament, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount with wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. See, we get weary, we lose heart. This isn't human spirit power. This is Holy Spirit power. And Jesus endured the cross. You may need to write that down and get this in your head and your heart. Forgiveness comes by Jesus' endurance, his sacrifice. Our following comes by our endurance, our surrender. And then Jesus went to the right hand of God, the father of the throne, right where he originally was and where he belongs, C-zone. And he's saying back to us, endure, don't quit, don't quit. Don't quit on God, he has not quit on you Don't quit on obedience. Don't quit on your finances, fighting for budget and honoring God with first fruits. Don't quit on your tithe. Don't quit on your marriage. I know it's difficult. Many of you are deciding these days, I think I'm done and you're making incremental decisions to quit. You're quitting internally before anybody knows you're moving toward divorce and you're on your way. Some of you decide, we're done, God can't do anything. Oh no, no, don't, don't, don't quit. Don't quit on family. Don't quit on moral purity. Don't be Saul. See, I'm drawn to stories of people who don't quit. That's why Harrison Fraser, a PGA golfer, who's not well known, though he was kind of encouraged by a friend, "Don't quit, you're a good golfer in college," and made it his career, though he didn't intend to originally. He's been there for 15 years, and he doesn't have a story of fame somebody who didn't quit but I want you to hear how close he got in fact let me just read a section of his story it's interesting to me how such a simply profound journey seems to parallel what most of us call normal life throughout his 15-year career Fraser has been unfortunate with a number of injuries he suffered a hip injury in 2001 a wrist injury in 2005 both which required surgery in 2010 He again had surgery on his hip, as well as surgery on his shoulder. He had never won a PGA tournament in 354 tries. In 300 and actually 34 tries. How how many tries? 334, listen, 334 A-zones that came to failure. I want you to get this. He's about ready to quit, and on his 335th tournament, he won. Come on, baby, C-Zone, bring it. He gets a C-Zone on the third hole of a sudden death match, and I just, I want you to see his very human interview. Check it out.
2: What a day, huh? It, it, was, a, it was a whirlwind there. I, this is the first time I don't know if I'm supposed to keep the pla- the, the seer soccer jacket. I don't know if I'm supposed to carry the trophy. You know, you don't know who you're supposed to talk to. You don't know... And, and I felt bad, I didn't, I didn't thank the sponsors, I didn't thank FedEx, I didn't thank the volunteers, uh, but I was not quite sure really what was happening right then. Um, hopefully now, you know, they always say, act like you've been there before. I, I, I couldn't act like that, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah, I'm kind of a loss of words right now, I didn't know that uh, this day would ever come. Uh, you know, I've been real close, many times to winning, and it's... For, For some, some reason,
1: reason it never happened.
2: happened. Yeah. And the last, last couple, couple of years, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. Just a couple of months ago, you were telling your buddies that that was it. You're hanging
1: up, and look where you are. Not even a couple of months ago, about a week ago. Now I love that story because it's so human. The guy he just said, like you know what? Last week, I'm like, I'm talking, I'm quitting, I'm done. Did you know he already had another job lined up, already in play, already set up? And what does he do on the 335th try? He wins. And listen, it took more time, more training, and more tenacity, but he also took home a $1 million C-Zone prize. That's a very good day, isn't it? And it took all of those tournaments to get there. If you haven't gotten your C-Zone, you feel the B-Zone pressure to quit in many arenas of your life. See, where are you feeling like You're on your 335th try, and it just doesn't have any hope. While God is whispering to you today, don't quit. Don't quit. I have something for you down the road, but you have to make this decision not to quit. Don't quit in your faith. Don't quit on obedience. Don't quit in your marriage. Don't quit in your financial budget. Don't quit in moral purity. Don't quit on discipline. Don't quit on church. Don't quit on worship. Don't quit on relationship. Don't quit on small group. Don't quit on serving. Don't quit chasing God in his word. And you know what? Five years, 10 years, 20, 40 years down the road, some pastor's going to stand up in front of a congregation and say, hey, the series is questions, and today, why do we quit? And if you could go back in time... And you could tell anyone, don't quit. Who would you talk to and why? Don't be the person they think of down the road. See, you're in the very day that is creating your future. And someday this will be history. Don't be the person who years down the road, they think back to you at this time and say, oh, if I could go back and tell that person, don't quit. See, you sit at the moment where you get to say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be Saul. Where right now is the Spirit of God saying, you're on the edge. You're trying to cue zone. But don't quit. See, I put three questions for you to consider at the bottom of your teaching notes, and I want you to think about them today and in this week. What do I, who do I need to encourage? Who do I need to encourage with don't quit? See, let's first think about the others in your life. There are people in your life, maybe a child, maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe someone in a small group, maybe somebody at work. Who do you need to encourage with don't quit? Like others did for me. Hey, if you've lost faith, borrow mine. It was profound. Help someone. A second, consider. Where do I need to practice B-zone muscle? See, where are you at risk of becoming Saul and God saying to you, no, you need to endure? Apply Hebrews 12, one to three. A third, what right things do I need to quit? What are the right things, the little sins seeming that are in the way of what God has for you? Ponder those in our remaining time in this day and the weeks ahead. And as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, I want you to listen in on the story of a 12-stone couple who are tumbling through their B-zone marriage and life and maybe their story can inspire you to the same conclusion, don't quit. Check it out.
2: We got married 24 years ago, almost 25. Both entered the, uh, entered the marriage with a lot of faulty conceptions about what marriage was and, and what it would bring to us. And you can fast forward 20 years and, and, and find a story of, at least for me, you know, some, somebody that was consumed with work I had a lot of isms, you know, alcoholism and, and workaholism. And um, I got to a point where I stopped caring about my body. I stopped caring about what I put in it. I got up to 328 pounds. I got to where I was working 100 hours a week. Uh, I got to a point where everything came before my marriage. Everything came before my family. Um, and to a point where, you know, a 100-hour work week was normal typical, not only what I expected, but what Sherry expected. and We got to a place in our marriage where things were just terminally broken.
0: We both had to ask ourselves if we had the strength to continue. And the honest truth was, I know I didn't. Neither one of us did. We really just wanted to quit. It would have been the easy way out, the easy thing to do. there was no way for us to put it back together. We had tried that for a really long time and were very unsuccessful. Um, we needed a miracle.
2: At our wedding, 1 Corinthians 13 was read. and That passage ends with the words, love never fails. And I began to understand that, that God's love had never failed me. That God never turned his back on me. Uh, And when I was furthest from him, he sought me the most. And I had to begin to ask myself, was I willing to love Sherry in this same way? Was I willing to have a love for her that never failed? Was I willing to make a choice not to quit?
0: For me, it was about obedience each day to what God called me to. Um, I didn't know how things were going to turn out. But I knew each day I had to do what was revealed to me the next thing to do um, and that was to work on me
2: and I saw that uh, was Sherry you know we have a chaotic life we have a big family and I watched her faithfully every day uh, begin a practice that continues to this day of getting up in the morning to spend time with God and that really you know put me in mind that, that God probably had things for me too God probably had obedience that He wanted from me on a daily basis. So was I going to be willing to submit to a trainer and get in shape? Was I going to be willing to be accountable for what I ate? Was I going to be willing to go back to rehab? Was I going to be willing to to get my priorities in line? Or was I going to be a workaholic for the rest of my life?
0: God was changing me. He was changing me from the inside out. Um, And as I As I changed, I recognized he was doing the same thing for Michael. Our marriage was different, altogether different. He was the father that I wanted for my kids. He was a man I wanted to be married to.
2: The secret to a long marriage is don't quit. Uh, But I feel like God's given us something so much more. He's taught us the secret of a happy marriage and a healthy marriage. In fact, He's taught us the secret of the kind of marriage we always wanted. Um, And that secret, it didn't turn on a dime and it didn't happen in a day. It was revealed slowly um, in a a thousand choices, a thousand steps, a thousand acts of obedience to, to what He had in front of us. It was found in surrender.